Welcome to Environmentality, a podcast for current environmental news, lectures, and interviews with the experts. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Let's dive on in. And now, here's your brief update on what's been happening to the planet from around the world. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Our first story of the week is that methane has reached record high levels. We learned about methane last week with our interview with Jeff Bishop. It's a greenhouse gas that is much more effective at warming the planet compared to carbon dioxide. The increase of methane production is attributed to increasing coal mining, oil and gas production, animal agriculture, and landfills. Levels have been relatively stable up until recent years when the demand for more energy and more meat has been on the rise. Additional methane release is also attributed to the increase of natural gas use here in the United States, which helps reduce oil consumption and carbon dioxide emissions, which is a great thing, but has the negative consequence of releasing too much methane into the environment. The European Union is really the only region in the world where methane emissions have seen a decrease. The reason why? Well, there's better policies and restrictions on landfills and animal agriculture there, as well as that the people have started to eat less meat. And this includes beef, chicken, and fish. Reducing meat consumption is a very simple way to help curb methane emissions, along with the immediate action of converting methane into energy. And we heard all about this with the use of biodigesters from Jeff Bishop last week who works at CalBio. One agricultural solution to the methane problem is adding an algae-based feed supplement to cattle feed. And this helps reduce cow burps. Another solution includes transitioning rice farming away from permanent waterlogging. The reason why is because in low oxygen environments, in other words, water-saturated environments, methane production is maximized. Our next story today comes to you from Ethiopia, where they've began filling the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam with water. The dam is about two-thirds built and is projected to be the largest hydroelectric power plant in Africa. Ethiopia wants to capitalize on the summer months rainy season to fill up the reservoir and get the dam finished. However, Egypt and Sudan, the other countries located along the Nile, are worried about the reservoir and the dam's impact on their ability to have access to water, especially during drought seasons as they've been increasing in frequency with the onset of climate change. Ethiopia claims they need the dam in order to revolutionize their country. The dam will provide energy to help boost industry, job creation, and the economy, while Egypt and Sudan are requesting just for increased water in times of drought. But Ethiopia fears letting other countries control their reservoir's status because less water in the reservoir means less energy production for them. A call for a third party like the African Union or the United Nations is being made to help finalize the agreement. But until then, a stalemate exists between a nation that wants energy and a nation that wants water. And lastly, your good news story of the week comes to us from the Australian coast. A new study that just got published shows that artificial reefs are increasing fish abundance. With ocean acidification and increased ocean temperatures, natural reefs have been dying and depreciating. 
Many efforts have been ongoing to help restore the reef with coral reef nurseries and planting out new pieces of reef to try and allow the reef to rebuild itself. And the inclusion of artificial reefs have been a part of that process. However, it has been unknown how effective these artificial reefs are in attracting fish populations and restoring this marine ecosystem. The study looked at three different sites and monitored for recreational fishing species. And what the study showed was that the species abundance increased 5 to 20 times at these artificial reefs when compared to a bare sand habitat. What was also really amazing was that you see an increase of two to five times in abundance at the nearby natural reefs. The implications of this study are that artificial reefs are effective and can be used as a piece of the puzzle or a tool in the toolkit for coral reef restoration. To learn more about these stories, check the links in the show notes. And if you want to know more about methane and how we can turn that into a resource, check out the interview from last week. And if you guys are enjoying and loving following along, shoot me a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be greatly appreciated. Share it with your friends on Insta and continue to tune in for more environmental news, lectures, and interviews with the experts. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you here next week.